literature, a word I annoyed myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and there, behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Ophthes around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell in my face in a great sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on his hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. When he had spoken to me according to these words, my lips. When I opened my mouth and spoke, I said to him who stood before me, O oh my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now, no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O oh man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And he, as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to uh, fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against this except Michael, your prince. Jennifer, I think uh, one of the hardest experiences when you're a Christian is when God doesn't seem to answer your prayers or answer them in the way you want him to or in the timing that you want him to. You can often feel like we're left wondering, like, is God listening to me? Does my voice matter to him? and followed Jesus for a while and has left and has not yet come back and it feels like 
unanswered prayer. And I just wonder how many of us have situations like that where we're wondering whether or not God is listening to our voice. I bet in times like this, a lot of us would love if God would pull back the curtain, show us the unseen realm where he's at work, and to see what's actually going on. Why did you answer this way, God? Why did you take this long, God? Why did you say no to this request? And actually know why? In one of the only times in scripture, maybe the only time this evening, God's gonna pull back that curtain for Daniel. And he's gonna show him what was happening when he was praying and it didn't seem like God was working. We're gonna get to peek behind, behind the curtain and see what God is up to when we're praying and we don't know how he's gonna answer our prayers. So we're moving now into the end of the book of Daniel. It's been a sweet journey so far. We have verses or chapters 10 through 12 left. They're roughly a repetition of chapters 7 through 9. We see the plan of God, and in chapter 9, we see God's plan to save through Jesus. And then we see those same three themes in chapters 10 and 11 and 12. So you're going to hear some similar sermons as we preached the last three weeks. And that's really good because one way God's word changes our heart is it keeps sharing with us the same truths so that they work from our head down into our hearts and we become more like Jesus as we hear these things that we desperately need to know and desperately need to believe. It's one way his word works among us. As I study the, this, these visions and these chapters, they sound so complicated. Wasn't, wasn't that a complicated text that Jennifer read? And one mistake we can make is we can think, wow, this is uh, scripture, this is stuff for theologians. This sounds like high-level theology stuff. But as you study the history that these visions were written about, it's actually written to and for people who are going through unimaginable suffering. I know a lot of you have gone through terrible suffering, but when you read the history of the suffering the Jewish people are gonna go through that these visions are about, it's, it's hard stuff. I want us to keep in mind that as we listen to what these verses are saying, these visions are for where you're at right now with the pain that you're experiencing. We're gonna have to push through the details to understand what it's about, but this is not about an academic debate. This is not about theology textbooks. This is about how God wants to help you where you're at right now in your suffering. So with that said, let's get into verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. Okay, so the third year of Belteshazzar, or the third year of Cyrus. So two years ago, God had made a proclamation that his people could return from captivity in Babylon to return to the promised land. It's two years after that. That's going to be important, so hang on to that piece of information. They're able to go back to their land. They're able to build their temple. God's promise had finally come true after seven years of waiting, and they're able to go home. Daniel gets a word 
So God's going to show him something. And what we're going to see in the next few chapters is God is going to show something to Daniel that Daniel could not have figured out on his own and that he desperately needed to hear. And the verse says the word is true. Amen. Everything God says is true. This is really good news to us. That when you don't know where to look and you don't know what to believe, you can always believe what God says to you in his word. And it is about a great conflict. Another way this verse gets translated in another translation is that this vision is and God and the world. But before it gets into the vision, it's going to get into where Daniel is at. So where is Daniel at in his life? In those days, I, Daniel, was... When this vision comes to Daniel, he is mourning. Daniel is sad. He's not happy. Not only is he sad, he is sad for three weeks. He is in the process of grieving a great loss in his life and going through great pain. We're going to get into the reason for his pain in a moment. But what I'm struck by is how Daniel responds to his suffering and his sadness. I want you to ask yourself, what do you tend to do? If you notice, Daniel does the exact opposite. He starts fasting. He stops drinking wine. He stops eating delicacies. And he stops rubbing oil on his skin. We don't, well, some of us rub oil on our skin. <laughs> but, but that was a really, really important thing to be able to do in the Middle East back then because the sun would burn your skin and the oil would soothe it. And so he stops doing that for these, for these weeks. Now, what the scriptures tend to talk about in times of feasting and celebration, or in times of celebration and happiness, people tend to feast. And in a whole lot of practical application in this sermon, but one practical application I want to suggest to you is that when you're sad, when you're going through hard times, instead of indulging yourself and trying to comfort yourself, instead, do some intermittent fasting. Pick a meal or a time not to eat. 
Because when we fast, what we're saying to God is this pain, this hurt in my stomach is like the hurt and the pain in my heart, and I'm bringing it to you. I'm bringing it to you to heal me. So instead of avoiding the pain, what happens in fasting is we bring the pain to God for him to heal it. And that's where our pain needs to be. We can't come up with a way to heal our pain. We need God to heal our pain. And fasting will help you bring your pain to the one who heals pain. And that's actually exactly what we're going to see in our text this evening. We're going to see Daniel bring his pain to the only one who can heal it. And we're going to see that person minister to him. Okay, so why is Daniel so sad? That's the question we want to answer now. Why is Daniel so sad? On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris. So it says on the 24th day of the first month. In the Jewish calendar, the first month is the month of March. So he's standing by this river on March 24th, right around this time of year, and he is very sad. Now, why would Daniel be sad on March 24th? In the Jewish calendar, the month of March was the year that God brought his people out of slavery in Egypt and brought them into the promised land of Israel. So every time this year, if you're an Israelite, this is the biggest party of the year. This is like their Christmas. They, they celebrate when God brought them out of slavery in Egypt and brought them into the promised land. So surely, surely this time of year, Daniel would have been thinking about God bringing his people home from, the prom, from, from captivity in Babylon and bringing them home to the promised land. Now, if you read the historical sources, what we find out is that, sadly, some of the people didn't want to go home to the promised land. They preferred the comfort of the lives they had built in Babylon rather than going back to the promised land where they would have been able to rebuild their temple and experience more of their God. They wanted comfort more than they wanted God. So Daniel's sad about this. Also, as we read further in the Bible, we find out that even though the people of God are allowed to return to the land of Israel and rebuild the temple, local officials and other people start to make it difficult for them to do so and start to restrain them from doing so. And so the temple isn't built as quickly as it could have been. I want us to try to get in the mindset of Daniel right now. This was probably what he was living for at this point in his life. Seeing these promises come true, seeing this temple be built, seeing his country restored. He's probably 85 years old. He's probably too old to go back. He's gonna die in a land that he doesn't wanna live in, a land that's foreign from the place that he grew up. Most of his friends and colleagues hate him and try to get him killed. He is a lonely old man who probably doesn't have a wife. The temple. His expectations about what God was going to do were probably very high. Picturing this great construction project that built this temple up, and it was like it was before, with this glory and beauty and wonder. And none of it happened like that. His expectations weren't met. 
Do you, any of you feel this way in your prayer life right now? Like you prayed and you wanted God to do something and you thought you know what he was going to do and something else happened? One of the hardest times to be a Christian is when God doesn't meet your expectations and the sorrow that comes as a result of that. I believe Daniel was in this situation that what he was expecting God to do was not what God did. God did keep his promise. He did let the people go back. But I think he was also expecting them to rebuild the land in a way that didn't happen. And so what he was probably banking on, probably hoping in, did not come to pass. So if you feel this way this evening, you. He has a plan to restore you and heal you. Don't feel doing God. It's not going the way he wants it to. There is nothing going the way he wants it to. the people and things in front of him and look up and look up to what's above him, what's in charge, what's greater than himself. I lifted up my eyes and, be, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning and his eyes like flaming torches. His arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. Daniel looks up and he sees the most beautiful, glorious picture he's ever seen. He sees a shining man. He sees a glorious man. All of a sudden, all of his focus on all those things that were so hard for them is gone. And all he can think about is this glowing, beautiful being who appears to him. Everything about this man either produces light or ref reflects light. And all that points to the divinity of this being. And he has substances like gold on him and crystal-like rock. And all these valuable things that point to the weight and worth and value of the being whom he sees. Now, who is this person he sees? Who is this man? It's not an easy question to answer, especially when you're looking at it in the context of this chapter. It's not an easy question to answer who this man is. However, when we read the whole Bible and try to put together all the pieces of the puzzle and figure out who this man is, it becomes clear, I believe, that we're talking about the Son of God. That this is God's Son revealing himself to Daniel at his moment of greatest sorrow. The sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace and his voice was like the roar of many waters. 
Daniel is seeing the Son of God. What strikes me is that in the moment of Daniel's sorrow, he does not need God to change the way he is doing things. He needs to see God. Let me say that again. Daniel does not need God to change the way he is doing things. He needs to see God. And I want to apply that to us right now. Whatever you're going through, whatever pain or hurt you're suffering, you do not need God to change the way he's doing things. You need to see God. Nothing can comfort us like the glory and beauty of God. We were made for this. And without it, we're lost. If we have God and his glory, we have everything we need. Even if we lose everything else, if we have God and his glory, we have everything we need. God doesn't give Daniel exactly what he's asking for. He gives him something better. He gives him himself. So in your suffering and in your sorrow, we all have to ask ourselves a question. Are we going to obsess about our circumstances or are we going to seek God? <laughs> the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. I'm gonna point out an observation right now from this, from this. I'm not sure if this is exactly what we're supposed to walk away with, but I wanna point out an observation. In this chapter, there is only one person we see seeking God. Who's that? Daniel. And there's only one person who gets to see God. It's Daniel. In times of suffering, our energy levels drop and our desire for God often decreases. And we don't seek God. Yet when we're suffering is when we most need to see Him. Friends, if we do not seek God, we will not see God. Elsewhere, the Bible says, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. In our moments of sorrow, in our moments of hardship, when it's hardest to seek God is when we need to do so the most. When it's hardest to seek God is when we need to do so the most. Maybe you're in a place right now where you feel like you don't have the energy to seek Him at all. Friend, I encourage you just to pray for the strength to take one step forward towards Him and take one step towards Him. And in the prayer, He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to show himself to you. So are we seeking him? Are we pursuing him? Just one quick point on what it's like when he reveals himself. He could, he could show us the same vision he showed Daniel. You could see this exact same picture with your eyes. It's not likely though. It doesn't tend to be the way God works right now. I want you to Draw your attention back to verse 1 for a moment. It says, A word was revealed to Daniel. 
God always reveals himself through his word. In, in, in this situation, he used the word to produce a vision. But in our situation, he uses his word to reveal himself to us. The way that we see God is when we hear the word preach, when we read the word, when we pray the word, and when we talk with other people about the word. What happens when we do those things is that God gives us a sense of who he is in his heart, a sense of his goodness, a sense of his greatness, a sense of his love, a sense of his closeness. When he's doing those things, he's revealing himself to us. When you feel and understand the person of God is when God is being revealed to you. So if you're saying, yes, Ross, what do you And growing in our understanding and becomes afraid, he starts to tremble, he loses all of his strength. This will be the first response we ought to have when we encounter God. God is a glorious being, and when we encounter him, we become more aware of our sin and weakness, and we feel our smallness. God will often make us feel low and small before him. And you might say, well, that's not what I mean when I'm suffering. But it is. When God lays us low, it's the first step in our healing. Our pride, our sense that we don't need him, is the greatest barrier to us being intimate with him. So in order for God to restore us like he restores Daniel in this text, in order for God to heal us like he wants to, we need to understand his glory, and we need to understand our smallness and our need for him. Daniel understands his smallness and his need for him when he sees him. This is the response of sinners before a holy God, is they experience fear, and they retain no strength. Verse 9. Then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. So God starts talking to Daniel. And it rests. After his holiness lays us low. God never lays anyone low to keep them there. If you are seeking them, he will lay you low so that he can build you back up. We first need to understand our deep need for him. We first need to understand our sin for him before he will lift us up. And Daniel right here is being laid low. And behold, a hand touched me. Daniel's laying there helpless, unconscious, and a hand. This hand points us to
and our grief and our need for God, what we need most is intimacy with God. Our deepest daily need is intimacy with God. And this hand represents that. As soon as God becomes intimate with Daniel, as soon as he touches him, as soon as he draws near to him, Daniel wakes up and starts to get up again. God is in the process of restoring and comforting Daniel. It sets him trembling on his hands and knees. He still feels a fear of God, yet the touch of God is raising him up. I want to make a quick point, and I think some of you will be frustrated about this. But I'm not trying to mess with you, I promise. I promise. So I think the hand in verse 10 is not the same hand, or is not from the same person as the being we read about in verses 5 and onward. it's a different person. I think it's an angel that's accompanying God. The reason I say that is because as this being restores Daniel and speaks to Daniel, it's going to reveal that it was stuck for three weeks, that it gets in a fight with another angel and it's detained and held for three weeks. And I cannot foresee our God being detained for three weeks, much less one second. So I think that the grammar says a hand touched me, not his hand. And the way I'm reading this is that when God showed up, there were angels with him, and he starts to minister to Daniel through these angels. And this angel, this hand is the hand of an angel who touches Daniel and sets him trembling on his hands and knees. Okay. So Daniel's trembling on his hands and knees. He's frightened. He's sorrowful. He's in a state of weakness. What happens next? The angel is going to reveal to Daniel two different truths. These are the two truths that Daniel needed to hear most of all, and these are the truths that you and me need to hear most of all. Let's take a look at the first truth. Verse 11. And he said to me, O Daniel, Man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent The first truth that this angel reveals to Daniel is that you are greatly loved. When we're frightened before God because of our sin, when we're in the midst of grief and sorrow and pain, the greatest thing that we need to know is that you are greatly loved. You are greatly loved by God. If God was standing here right now, the first thing that he would say to you is, you are greatly loved. If we lose sight of this, that we're greatly loved by God, we stop trusting him in our pain. We stop trusting him in our sorrow. We stop trusting him with our sin. Do you ever feel yourself shrinking away from God, avoiding him? This is the first step. Here's 
Here's something that struck me as I was preparing. At the first touch of this angel, Daniel awakens and gets on his hands and knees. And then, as the angel continues to minister to him, Daniel stands up and he's trembling. If you notice, Daniel doesn't get made well all at once. Oftentimes, when we, God works in our life, we want him to make us well all at once, to restore us all at once, to do his work all at once. Does he work that way? Sometimes. But oftentimes, he will restore us bit by bit, degree by degree. If you're coming out of sin right now, and it feels like it's taking a long time, God could be restoring you bit by bit, degree by degree, just like he's restoring Daniel. If you are struggling to be free of sorrow and pain over something you're mourning over, and you're wondering, why is this taking me so long to be free from this? Have patience. God often likes to work gradually and by degrees, just as he does in this text with Daniel. He doesn't immediately raise him up and strengthen him. He slowly restores him bit by bit. And he's actually doing that in all of our lives right now. He's taking you where you're at and he's restoring you bit by bit and degree by degree. You're not going to be all like Jesus in all the ways God wants you to be tomorrow. But you'll be a lot closer in 10 years from now. And you'll be closer still in 20 years from now. And we need to be patient with God's pace and time. We can't control it. We can't control how fast God works. But we can trust him that as he works in Daniel's life, gradually he will also work in our lives. So truth one, you are greatly loved. Truth number two, what do we see? Verse 12, he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God. Your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Second truth, don't be afraid, Daniel. You are afraid right now because of your sin, but you don't have to be afraid because of my character. I'm going to say that again. You are afraid because of your sin, but you don't have to be afraid because of my character. I love to forgive sinners. And we see God's character in the way he responds to Daniel. What does it say in verse 12? From the first day that you have set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. On day one of Daniel's prayer, God sent an angel to him to help him. He wasn't indifferent to Daniel. He wasn't angry at Daniel. He wasn't spiteful towards Daniel. He immediately sent an angel to Daniel. That's the kind of God we have. Do you, do you believe that? That when you pray, God immediately hears and immediately responds every time? He doesn't have a waiting list. He doesn't have a junk mail box. He is listening to your voice and he responds immediately. This is what, what we see Daniel, God's character is like to Daniel. And that's why Daniel doesn't have to be afraid. Because the kind of God we have is a God who immediately responds to our needs. So now we see a tension arise 
So God sent the angel on day one, but the angel doesn't get there until day 21. What? Why? Why does it take three weeks for the angel to get there? We're going to read this in our next look at what God was actually doing. Forward and help Daniel. That angel engages in combat with an evil angel. So that evil angel probably has So Daniel's perspective is, I'm not God was fighting for his welfare and the welfare of his people the entire time. That's the real perspective on your prayers. It might not be in the way you asked him to. It might not be in the way that he expected him to. But he is fighting for you in ways that you are completely. No idea that that would happen as a result. There's people who are Christians today because you prayed, perhaps. And you had no idea that that was going to happen because you prayed. We do not expect... And we don't comprehend it. We don't know. All we know is that he always responds to our prayers. We just don't know how he's going to do it. Yeah. Pray because I'm not sure what's going to happen. Or I don't believe God's actually going to do anything. Wouldn't we pray if he's always doing something when we pray? Now, some of you might be raising the objections in your minds. Well, couldn't God have just crushed this evil angel right away and just let him get to the Three weeks go by and let Daniel suffer for that long. What's up with that, God? So those are the kinds of questions that keep us up at night. And we probably will not get the answer to a lot of those questions. See, we're not called to understand why God does what he does. We're called to trust God that he's doing good. So it took three weeks for this angel. It took three weeks for this angel to get to Daniel. What was going on for those three weeks? Daniel's mourning. Daniel's motivated to meet with God, which he finally does in this vision. You see that? Because God waited three weeks to reveal himself to Daniel, Daniel got more of God. Even when we don't understand what God is doing, he's always doing good things. I think he was doing a good thing here with Daniel by delaying. He was preparing Daniel's heart to receive more of him. 
that we're going through. He's delaying because he has more hard work to do. And we will praise him when he's finished. But this is what I, I want us to understand. This is what I want us to see. That when we pray and we don't understand what God's doing, if we pulled back the curtain and actually saw what he was doing, our response would be, oh my goodness, you are so good. You are so great. Thank you, God. If he pulled back the curtain and showed us everything he was doing, we would praise him all the more. Verse 14. And I came to make known you, and I came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. So next week we're going to get into this vision that the angel comes to show Daniel. In chapter 10, Daniel gets the presence of God. In verse in chapter 11, he's going to get the plan of God. And chapter 11 is actually one of maybe probably the most difficult chapter in the Bible. So please pray for Pastor Sam as he prepares this sermon. It's going to be a hard one. And now let's look at verse 15. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face towards the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. And I said to him who stood before me, O Lord... For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Daniel still isn't over the glory of God. And he won't ever be. He'll always need God to keep strengthening him, to be able to enjoy him. And that's okay. You're always going to keep needing God to strengthen you to enjoy him, and that's okay. That's okay to be a weak, limited creature who needs to depend on God. It's exactly what we see in this text. Verse 18. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. So Daniel keeps getting strength. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And he said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. So the angel repeats those two truths. You are greatly loved and fear not. I can see Daniel at this point saying to the angel, well, thanks for saying that, angel, but that's not helpful to me. Like, you see everything from God's perspective. You saw what God was up to this whole time, but I didn't. I was stuck here for three weeks, and I had no idea what was going on. It's really easy for you to say to me, have courage. It's really easy for you to say, fear not. But that doesn't connect with me because you haven't gone through what I'm going through. I want to remind this church that we worship and follow a man who went through this exact same thing. He went through this exact same thing. So if we turn forward in our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 22, we find Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he's about to go to the cross. And he actually has a prayer request for God. He has a prayer request as he's praying to God before he goes to the cross. It says, 
And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And listen to this in verse 43. And there with an angel strengthening him, just like Daniel. The response to Daniel's prayer request was, you have to wait three weeks. Daniel got a delay. Jesus got a no. You hear that? Jesus got a no. He said to me, God, he said to God, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. And God was not willing. So he said no. And he was good in doing so. God was good in saying no to that prayer. That is weighty. Jesus asked for the cup to be removed from him. God said no, and he was good in doing so. He was good to us because Jesus went and suffered and died on the cross for our sins to give us life. And he was good to Jesus because after Jesus suffered and died and rose from the dead, He got a kingdom and a people from every tribe and language and nation and tongue. He gets the church as his prize to worship him. So God was good to Jesus in that moment. And because God was good to Jesus in that moment, he's being good to you in those moments where we have the same experiences. The only manner in which God answers prayer is with love. There's no other category. He only answers with love for us. And I just want to, anyone who doesn't know this Jesus yet, who wants to follow him, who wants to worship him, please talk to me or any of the members before you go. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers because of Jesus. We thank you that you pay attention to us and help us in our suffering. And I just ask that if there's someone suffering here this evening, God, who has stopped praying, that they would start praying again. And I pray that we would see more and more and more answers to prayer in our lives. And that we would trust more and more and more for you to answer prayers in the ways that are best. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for being good. Thank you that we don't have to be afraid. Thank you that we're greatly loved. Pray these things in Jesus' name.